This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from Liverpool Echo. I'm your host, Joe Rimmer, and I'm joined by three fine gentlemen today to talk about Liverpool and tomorrow's trip to Watford. On my far right is our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, Paul Ghost. How are we, Paul? Very well, Joe. Very Still well. tall? Still tall, yeah. Always I'm drunk. Yeah. yeah. How are you? Got a nice white shirt on today. You look nicely pressed. Well, I know the Friday's a podcast day, yeah. so I've got to smarten up, haven't I? I'm like this fellow here. Yeah. Well, you've, you've segued us nicely onto the scruff sitting next to you, <laughs> Theo Squires. I mean, you're not as well turned out as your names, are you? No, apparently not. The job. No, you're, um, you're. I was fine before we started filming these. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you, you also were fine before you started offending everyone this week on the other podcast. And yeah, just a bit. You spent your week arguing with people on Twitter, haven't you? Got to do something on my day off. Well, yeah, <laughs> evidently. Another person who likes arguing people on Twitter. No, I don't. Uh, well, you like winding people up. <laughs> like winding people up. <laughs> anyway, that's what they're there for. I'm sure you all recognise Ian Doyle. How are you, Ian? I'm okay. How would you shave? It looks like you've cut yourself a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got, I've got, to be honest, I've got a new razor and I cut myself with it every single time. You need to be more oh, careful or just don't have a shave like me. Yeah, yeah well, could go that way. You, you have one purge every few months, though, don't you? Kind of, yeah. But yeah. I've started like the barber do it now, so I think I've probably had two shaves in about a year. I still like you, you Walter White days. I can bring them back if yeah, you Yeah, I think you should bring them back. For anyone, obviously you're all listening to this, but some of you might be watching on YouTube. Doily can can transform himself <laughs> into Walter White, quite literally. Just like a little goatee, like, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. remember those days. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do it if you want. If Thanks very much for the next part. If there's enough comments underneath that yeah. you know call me something nice rather than something nasty like they normally do, then what that's about better. a little treatment of pulling the league? No, that's never happening. But we're no longer <laughs> sponsored by a men's shaving... Company, shall we move on? Yeah, we, we should. All right, I'm the host. Right, okay. Well, we'll start. We'll start with you, since you're so desperate to talk, Gorsty, um, about Klopp's press conference today. You were down there, and he spoke about coconuts, complacency, and coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was a strange press conference, wasn't it? it was. I mean, just thinking about it then before we come on, I'm thinking, what, what, are, what are we going to talk about? What, what's he actually said? And th- there wasn't a whole lot there, was there, in terms of actual news updates? James Milner. <clears throat> Won't be involved tomorrow, neither will Henderson. Milner's got more of a chance for Tuesday at Chelsea, but other than that, it was Jürgen Klopp talking about Jerry Marston's named him an honorary scouser and <laughs> um, the steps that Liverpool are taking to avoid coronavirus spread, coconut water adverts, and how it was hilarious. And Other than that, there wasn't, there wasn't a whole lot in there, was there? Obviously, Klopp was <clears throat> paying due respect to, to Wofford and he was suggesting that they shouldn't really be in the position that they're in and it's going to be a difficult place to go. Um they're fighting for every point and, and Liverpool will need to be switched on. But, you know, he says that about every opponent, doesn't he? he? gives them the respect that they deserve and Liverpool invariably treats it like that and come away with the points. So um wasn't a, a vintage press conference today, but uh, it, was, it was quite funny to be there. Yeah, well, it, it did seem very surreal watching it from the office here. Theo, we will touch on coconuts. Um, uh, club. Klopp was actually really delighted. Uh, I'm, I'm sure many of you listening at home will have seen the video now. Liverpool uh, released a, a video um, to advertise Coco- Coconut Water. It is very, very funny. You should go and watch it. Theo, Klopp spoke about how it was. it's really good for the club. It shows them another side. Liverpool are very, very good at this, aren't they? They're very, very good at doing things differently, not taking themselves too seriously, I think, on, on social media. Um, do you agree with Klopp? Is it, is it really good for the image of the club? Um, yeah, I suppose it shows that they're very forward-thinking now, and it's another part of that way that they're one of the best teams on and off the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like They've got so many uh, sponsors now and these partnerships, 
and it's just another way for him to get the brand out there, brand out there and get good PR from it. Like um, he said himself in this press conference, it's probably the first time people have heard Joel Matip speak, mm-hmm. and it's like seeing players in a different light. Obviously, we all just, know. just to just to jump in there, Joel Matip has got the weirdest voice yeah. in football, <laughs> hasn't he? I mean, that, that's a big shout to be fair, Joe. I, yeah, I, Tony I, I Mowbray used to have a very weird voice, <laughs> that, right? but but that's a very niche one. Yeah, 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 but, but I, I didn't think it was him. I, I heard the video before I seen it. And I thought, who's that? I had to actually walk over to see see that it was Joel Matup, mm. reading all facts about whatever it was. Now I can't even remember, but coconuts, coconuts, yeah, sharks yeah. as well, sharks. That was it, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was a humorous video, wasn't it? And we've seen Liverpool players aren't scared of getting involved in in all the advertisements that they're asked to do. We remember Henderson and the Reliant Robin in the Nivea advert about five years yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, Who was it that got stood up and by a dinosaur? That was Milner. Milner. Wasn't it? Was that Milner? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Twist at the end of that one, wasn't it? But didn't see that coming, the dinosaur. No, no. Never hear of it. He shrugged it off, though, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. he did. He's been all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Theo, Liverpool do. <laughs> there is a serious point to all this. We'll come on to it in a bit. But, but Liverpool have got the biggest YouTube account in, in the Premier League. It, mm-hmm. It's the most followed. And it obviously makes them a lot of money. So that, you know, they, they are growing all the time as a, as a brand, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. And it helps when you're the best team on the planet and you've got all these global stars and it's just how they're promoting everything um, that's the way they get them out there like it's even a few years ago it seems to have come along with FSG and Klopp the fact that they're out there and they're more marketable means there's more coverage there like even the early days when you've got um, Mamadou Saku making a, a fool of himself where in the States, you know, when he's oh, yeah, day yeah, crashing yeah. the interviews and stuff, that was still good content. <laughs> got, got him kicked out yeah, the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like, and the staff trying to do things differently. The players not afraid to have a laugh, yeah. have a joke at their own expense. Uh, Daniel, at the expense of their own Anfield careers as well. Joe Matt's going to go on loan. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been quite a few over the years, isn't it? Like, you think um, when they're doing, like, the uh, film quotes video. Yeah, oh, yeah, that was good, wasn't uh, it? Yeah. Jordan well, Henderson, that shows the change in him, by the way, because he was so serious and that, not wanting to do it at all. Now he can have a little laugh uh, advertising coconut water. I think it also helps the fact that they're winning all the games. Can yeah. you imagine if they were losing games and then <laughs> the players popped up on social media with yeah. this? So, the, you know, it is a bit, a bit to do with timing. And as Theo says, just with them being the best team in the world, the best team in England, the best team in Europe, the best team in probably everywhere, um, they may as well capitalise on it in a way that they didn't when they won the Champions League in 2005, where famously the club shop was shut the following day. So See, I knew there was a really sensible and good point in all this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He'd thought it would be me. Go, yeah. On, yeah, go yeah. and write that for yeah. 7 o'clock. <laughs> right. so, but, but, but yeah, it is, it is. you know, as, as again, as Theo said, they've made all these... I remember when it was Manchester United who started it all, wasn't it, really? Yeah. If, to give them credit, they were the ones who'd always have these little mini partnerships with, you know, with a, you know, this is the official Manchester United coffee or something yeah. stupid like that. There's been some extremely strange ones. Really City got on board as well. Yeah. yeah, and while we laugh sure. and go, what's that got to do with X, Y and Z? Well, when... The, you know, the money comes in from that particular partnership. Well, it might not, you know, some fans might go, oh, why are they doing this? Everybody's doing it now. Mm-hmm. Everybody's doing it. They have to be savvy. Commercially, Liverpool are so much better than they, than they used to be. And we're talking only like about four or five years ago. So everything's come together. The fact that they've grown on the pitch, they've grown in terms of the actual number of people in the stadium, and they've grown in, term, in commercially, you know, the, uh, the accounts, which I'm sure Paul will get onto yeah, yeah. a bit later on, will underline that fact with the, the revenue that they've made and when you consider how much they spent on the players as well. They're sponsored by Joy. They make car seats and prams. You always see it around the stadium. I bought a Joy car seat. Oh, there, you there you go. There you go. There you go. It's worked, hasn't it, with you? Yeah, they're, they're well done, Liverpool. Enjoy. 
Can you enjoy all around? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, Can you please move on? Yes, talk about football. <laughs> Very awkward start to this podcast. Alex Oxley chamberlain Naby Keita, Theo, I'll, I'm going to leave you alone. Um, I'll, I'll ask you, Doily. Um, oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, Naby Keita, I gave him a rating of five because I didn't think he had a particularly good game. He quite good defensively, but that's not what he's there for. And it seems though Jurgen Klopp agreed with me because he substituted him after about 57 minutes and then admitted uh, today at the press conference that he didn't have his best game. However, he also then did say, because the question was asked, is Ox- Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain replaced him enough? You know, it did did reasonably well without being absolutely fantastic. You know, brought a bit more drive to the midfield, and you know, just by having some shots and stuff like that. He said, "Are those two like vying for a place? They're competing with each other." And Klopp said, "No, they're not, because they're completely different players, and I'd, I'd hope that they don't see it as though they're competing with each other." So he said they offer something different. So though he did say, you know, Naby didn't have his best game, and he will have better games. That's it. Okay, so do you expect Oxley Chamberlain to start tomorrow? We'll come on to that later on. Let's <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. tease them. We don't want to give it all away. Okay, okay. All right, Gorsi. The, the two of them, the, Klopp says they're not competing with each other, but mm. essentially they are. They're, they're competing for the same spot in midfield. They're not going to play in the same midfield very often. We've seen it, I think, once, twice this season. Um, Klopp World Cup final. They both played. Did they? Um, Genk. Uh, they played yeah. Genk. 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 the famous yeah. where I said this midfield yeah. will never feature again yeah. together, and it didn't. They, they played They played against Bournemouth, but Oxford Chamberlain played in the front three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, I don't think that counts. So essentially they are, but but they offer very different qualities, don't they? Klopp, Klopp got that right. Um all right, what, what's Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain doing right that perhaps Kate is not at the moment? It's a difficult one, isn't it? I mean, I think Oxlade-Chamberlain's probably at his best ever season for goals. Um, seems to have scored around about six or seven this season. Mm-hmm. Kate, uh, he was he was in great form, wasn't he? It's just be just around about mid-December, and then obviously picked up that injury in the warm-up against was it Sheffield United now, and since then he hasn't really caught fire again, and it just seems to be a tale of. Two steps forward and one back for Keita um, since he signed for Liverpool and Liverpool fans have waited so long for him because it was a, Liverpool first registered their interest in June, I think, in, in 2017. Took them until August, 2000, or June, July 2018 before he was actually a Liverpool player and there was so much excitement surrounding him and you can see why because he'll just have a little couple of minutes of, of quality where you can see there is a player here but then just doesn't do it all the time and it's... Um, it's a tough one. I mean, Oxley Chamberlain, he had that terrible injury, didn't he, which completely derailed him for over a year. But before then, he was probably in, in the form of his career. And um, I've heard him say a couple of times that he's not quite happy with what he's doing, but he, he seems to be making more of an impact on a regular basis than, than Cater is. And Clark will say that they're not competing because, in his mind, they're probably not. But they know if, if they're in form and playing well, then they've got more of a chance of playing, haven't they? So. Both players know that, and they're both similar types of attacking midfielders that no one else in that midfield is. So if there's a role for a central attacking midfielder, then they know it's either one or the other. So in a way, they are competing. Um, and I think at the moment, actually, Chamberlain's probably the, the one who's uh, more informed. The different in the sense, the different in the sense that obviously Oxley Chamberlain's more power, isn't he, and directness, which mm-hmm. Klopp said quite a few times. Except he called it direction when he was talking about it after the game against West Ham. He said that's what he offered. You know, Kate is more guile and a bit of bit of nous, and he looks nicer as well, doesn't he? Although he, he probably won't be scoring the. You know, I think Oxley Chamberlain, all of his goals have come from outside the mm-hmm. area with 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 shots from that range, and you don't really see Kate do that too often. The thing with Oxley Chamberlain is that this season, I don't think he's had a game where he's got nine out of ten. Mm-hmm. And very few where he's got eight. 
but he's been seven, 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 seven all the way through. As Gorsi said, but he's more consistent. I think the game, the West Ham game, was the first one he hadn't started in the league for seven games. I think that was his longest yeah. run of Premier League starts in about seven years or so. Certainly at Liverpool. Uh, but with Cater, he's capable of doing the nine out of ten like he got against Bournemouth away, where he was very, very good. He scored, but again, Oxley Chamberlain scored in that game where mm-hmm. he was. He's on the left of midfield and wasn't magnificent, but he gets goals. He gets you know the odd, whether it's a direct assist or helping out in the build-up to a goal. And I think that's something that Cater, because he has, he's quite an elegant footballer, isn't he? You know, he's the kind of player that you want to watch mm-hmm. because you know that he can do you know do the kind of passing. You can see what he's trying to do, but it's not quite been coming off enough for him. And when you come up against a team like West Ham were on Monday where they were quite powerful. Liverpool weren't playing particularly well. They weren't, as Klopp said, in the right positions. Then the onus is on him. And I don't think he's that kind of player in that sense. But then he surprises you because it was at Burnley last last year. Liverpool won 3-1. They played 4-4-2 at Burnley. And Keita was one of the two in midfield. And he was brilliant. Was, you know, So there's no questions about his physicality. It's just that perhaps in the setup of the team at the moment, when they're not playing 100% or 90%, he just... He's not able to quite deliver, which is a shame because when he got back from his last injury, the one he suffered against Chelsea, wasn't it? The war in the we were in Istanbul in the training the day before. When he came back from that, the Bournemouth, he had that full month, didn't he? Played very well, I thought, in the uh, in the Club World Cup. I think it was Monterey, wasn't it? In the in the first game, he played. Did he score that game? He scored. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so he scored. He he was good in that game. He set he set up the first goal, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and then he got the injury as Gorsty said, against Sheffield United. And even when he came back after that, he came on a sub a few times and looked really sharp. But then, I don't know, just not quite happened. And uh, I think Klopp's got, still got a lot of faith in him. But it'll be interesting to see what happens at the end of the season because people have been talking about it, but 50-odd, 52.75 million is a lot of money for somebody who doesn't play all the time. Mm-hmm. I think with um, the two of them, if you look at Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's had this probably the worst setback any footballer can have in their career to have such a bad injury and to come back from it. He's always been a strong personality throughout his career, so it's well he's suffered that setback. Anything else that happens now is going to be small in comparison to that. So if he goes out and has a bad game, he's going to be frustrated, but you've got that confidence and faith in him to go out and pick himself up and step up on that. Whereas Naby Keita, he's not a personality in the same way. He's quite shy. I think that's we've all got that from him. He's quiet, and that's sort of the role he's got in the squad at the moment. He's not really... He's playing a bit within himself. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a lack of confidence there. So he's because he's not had one bad injury, he's not got that focus to come back. It's oh, another setback. So it's that frustration there. And I'm not saying he's got a lack of confidence in himself, but you do have that seed of doubt of when am I going to get my chance? And it's just not happened for him. So it's probably that he does need a run of games to get that confidence to go and hit the ground running. I know a lot of people talk on social media about the fact that we always talk about him, but... There's obviously a very good reason for that. Yeah. And that's the yeah. fact that he's, we all know he's actually really good at football. So we've seen it. We've yeah. seen him do it for Liverpool, but you want to see him do it all the time. So that's why there's always the question marks. And, you know, it's a bit harsh on him in the sense that almost every single time he has a bad game, people go, oh, you know, is yeah. this the, yeah. is this going to be cater at the crossroads and that? But, you know, it is because of those reasons that we've just mentioned. He's always going to be that, that kind of player because I don't think no matter how well he's playing, I don't think he'll ever be a regular in this Liverpool team because of the way the player that he is which means that when he then does play he has to make more of an impact and that's just unfortunate because as, as um, Theo said it's the same with Oxley chamberlain possibly the same with uh, Minamino for a while it was the same with Shakiri. Mm-hmm. you know there are players who aren't going to be as 
involved as others because Klopp looks, loves his horses for courses, certainly midfield. I, I sometimes think that he just struggles by the amount of work that a Klopp midfielder are asked to do. Um, you know, Henderson, Wijnaldum and Fabinho all kind of pick up the slack and cover ground and um, recycle the ball and, and keep it fairly safe and, and he's not that type of player. His skill set is very much about breaking lines and, and carrying the ball 20 yards or <clears throat> playing that, that through ball um, down the line to, to, to the front three. Um, so I think sometimes that just he goes onto the pitch trying to play his natural game with a set of instructions in the back of his mind that he, that he tries to keep an eye on as well. So I think sometimes it's difficult for him to to do both. I sorry, I thought what Theo touched on before <clears throat> confidence, Gorsty. I mean, I, I don't know. Do you know? Does, does he speak English yet? I mean, things like that. Perhaps we don't take into account, and we're, we're all guilty when we, we sit <clears throat> and judge players, not taking into account that. He's a young guy, he's 24, 25 years <coughs> 25, old, yeah. you know, coming over to a different country, doesn't speak the language, is still settling in. You know, are we are we guilty of just forgetting these factors when we judge a player? Oxide Chamberlain, he's English, he speaks, in, yeah. he'll know players from, from international duty. In some ways, it's been easier for him to, to adapt to life at Liverpool. I think so, yeah. I mean, it, I, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like if, if I had to move to... You know, let's say Austria and, and, and crack on there and, and you know, the, deliver. You fit right in. <laughs> Don't think you'd be very on skis. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. Nice. So I mean, it's, it must be so difficult for these players, and uh, he doesn't doesn't walk through the mix zone very often, so you don't really get a chance to, to stop and say, you know, can we have two minutes? So I'm not too sure how his, his English is progressing. Um, Didn't Minamino say that he got the? Who was he between? Was it in the? He's between he Mane and yeah, so Mane. Yeah, so they basically moved Minamino's shirt in the dressing room yeah. in between those two because they're both from Red Bull Salzburg. They both speak German, and Minamino's speaking German at the moment, particularly with Klopp. So that that's how he's getting by essentially. So I'm, I'm not too sure of it, if it's a similar thing with with Kate at the moment and how his English is progressing over the last eighteen months. Because he doesn't really, as I say, he doesn't really walk through the mix zone, so you can't really. Get a gauge and you know his, his thoughts and whatever else. The other thing is that Kate obviously had the full year, didn't he? He knew he was coming, yeah. so whether or not he could have taken more time than anything. I mean, we don't know. We're just guessing. But, but it. We're, that, just, we're guessing that, it. We're guessing it. Yeah. But then that's just you know, we don't know that for sure. So there's no point tr- attempting to even critique some yeah. something that we don't know about. But but they are unknown factors that that could influence a guy's career, can't they? So I think it's it's something to consider uh, when when you're judging a player. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Moving on, Theo, are, are you an ostrich? Am I an ostrich? <laughs> <laughs> Ex UCLAN journalist who uh, got called an ostrich. Was that, was it, it wasn't Ian Mitchell, was it? Your no, friend? no, Ian, no, no, uh, no. Ian Baker, wasn't it? Ian Baker, yeah, Ian Baker, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, obviously. What on earth are we talking about? Nigel, Nigel, Nigel Pearson. Pearson. You've never seen Nigel Pearson asking the journalist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We've now established that Theo's not an ostrich. No. But Nigel Pearson, uh, Klopp spoke about him in his press conference, said he's he's got the utmost respect for Pearson and what he's done at, at Watford. Um, they've had a, they started really well under him, had a little bit of a wobble as, as of late. I think they've lost the last three games. But, um, Strikes me as that sort of manager that is always going to make life difficult when a big club comes and plays them. Yeah, we've um, seen that before. They were unlucky to lose against United, but I remember his um, Leicester team. They did quite well mm. against Liverpool mm. when he kept them up when it looked like they were certain to go down. And granted, he didn't keep his job, but we all know what happened to Leicester the next year under Ranieri. Yeah. He is a good manager in the right circumstances. Like He's had a few difficult spells before and he seems to lose his temper every so often. He's the most passive-aggressive man in football, isn't he? Yeah, I'll Pearson. go along with Probably that. Probably the most aggressive man in football. He throttles someone on the floor. Yeah, yeah. Quite, yeah quite like that. Oh, who was it? Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not sure. Well, let's, let's not let's not <laughs> sit and think about that. <laughs> We've already thought about coconuts. Sort of thing. <laughs> Weirdest podcast of all time. Um, yeah, Doily, you'll have mm. seen a few Nigel Pearson teams. Yes. Um, how do you expect them to set up? Do you think they'll frustrate Liverpool tomorrow? Yes. Do you think it'll, it'll be, be another... Good. Almost feels like a lot of games follow the same theme this season, doesn't it? It'll be it? exactly the same as the West yeah. Ham game. Yeah. Set pieces, long balls, counter-attacks, physicality, second balls. So it would just be. To be honest, I thought they were a bit unlucky in the home game where Liverpool beat them two mm-hmm. 0 I mean, that was the 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 wind game, wasn't it? I know we all yeah, that, nearly every game is the wind game. Us, yeah, was that Pearson's first game? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. was his first game, and you know, I mean, they do have some players with with, with a bit of skill. I mean, uh, there's Delafeo, obviously. Uh, is that, uh, that's how he's always pronounced, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, we spent years deliberately pronouncing it in the wrong way. Very very wind. Yes, yeah. indeed. Um, Decore. I know that quite a few people like him the way that he plays he's always on the front foot and he's quite powerful from midfield and in some ways is a is a kind of a Jurgen Klopp light kind of player I suspect um but Troy Deeney always causes a problem he's he's better than people give him credit for he's not just a battering ram so they have got players the only problem is for them is that they now need wins and I'd it's the it's the thing is is it really a free hit now with eleven games to go for these teams like West that was the thing that West Ham was saying about playing Manchester City and uh, and Liverpool recently okay Liverpool was a bit different they, they didn't make much of an effort against Man City going forward it puts more pressure on the other games doesn't it mm-hmm. you won't so, know it because you're at Melwood but Pearson's just said it's not a free hit he's not approaching it, well, okay well there you go then so that might help Liverpool in a way because it means that Watford at some point will have to come forward. And I think, to be honest, if I was them, more teams should do that with Liverpool because there's a reason why Liverpool got that many clean sheets for part of it is the fact that teams just weren't even trying. I mean, Atletico Madrid did something a little bit different. They put two up front. That gave them a different problem. I wonder whether Watford will do something like that. Don't know, but Pearson will have some kind of plan. It will involve knocking Liverpool out of their stride and it will involve frustrating Liverpool going forward. And if they can do those two things, it's going to be the tough game that Jurgen Klopp from minute one when he started his press conference, said it's going to be. Okay, moving on. Uh, some big news off the pitch this week, Gorsley. Uh, Liverpool <coughs> released their accounts and um, some, let's say, eye-watering figures. Uh, yeah. Moses passed that half a billion pound mark in terms of the turnover, £533 million. Um, there's £220 million pounds worth of player trading in there. Commercials up by £34 million to £188 million. I mean, it's just green arrows going up for every... Every figure, really, isn't it? It, it? it just shows a club in, in such rude health. Oh, 100%. Um, turnover is up by £78 million. Um, All three revenue streams, so that's commercial, match day and media, all of them are, are, are flying. The, um, the match day revenue is up by £3.5 million, which I, I probably thought was maybe a little bit um, on the Conservative side. Obviously, the, the new main stand has, has contributed a lot to that and is probably a reason why they've been looking at increasing Anfield even further to, to get those numbers up over the next... Ten years. Just, just, just to interject there, it's funny actually, isn't it? Because that, if you go back twenty years, match day revenue was the yeah, yeah. source of <clears> revenue, wasn't it? And, and Liverpool were always talking about building a new stadium to try and catch United, to try and chase after Arsenal, whose who stadium was was getting built. Yet that seems to have changed. So I suppose that underlines FSG's decision to stay at Anfield and expand was a masterstroke, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, they, they, they're bringing more money in, aren't they, from the, from the media and the commercial side? Mm. Considerably more as well. Um, can't quite recall the figures off the top of my head, but it, it, they are the, the two biggest earners. Um, a lot of it is down to the Champions League run. Um, the bulk of that was banked. So it's up until May the 31st, so obviously the day before the Champions League final. Um, I was told um, earlier this week that it's the bulk, 
basically the bulk of that Champions League win was earned before the final. It's not like you, once you win the final, then you get all the, mm-hmm. the reports of 65 million at once. So um, the majority of it has come from that. Um, Liverpool also spent a lot behind the scenes on contracts. If you think of pretty much every player, they've had a new deal in that time, even the manager and his backroom staff. Wijnaldum's probably the only one I can think of who hasn't had a new deal in the last two years. Um, Van Dijk was brought in for 75 million. 2018 was the biggest calendar year spend for Liverpool in, in their entire history, and they're still posting the turnover of 533 million. So, everywhere you look at, at this club at the moment, it's absolutely thriving. Opening a new training ground in Kirby in July. Um, building will start on Anfield's development in December, hopefully. So um, it's all all great news. Um, it's difficult to find an area where you can criticise this football club at the moment. Tony, in a day and age where everything about a football club is is analysed, you know, on the pitch matters, off the pitch matters, hmm. um, all that positive news just underlines a, a positive off-field picture is what I'm trying to say, means that you have a positive on-field picture, doesn't it? Liverpool are in such good health that the on-the-pitch stuff tends to follow, doesn't it? It helps, but I would have thought it might be the other way around, where yeah. maybe the pitch, in this particular case, mm. has led what's happening behind the scenes, because it comes back to what we were saying about the video before. People wouldn't find that quite as funny mm. if they weren't winning games, and that's come down to, to Klopp. Um, Damon Camoli did an interview, didn't he, with the, the Athletic mm-hmm. uh, podcast this week, and he mentioned, he was talking the normal things about, you know, Jordan Henderson, you know, I, I got sacked because I signed him kind of thing, and he went on about that a few, uh, quite uh, quite length I should say but he also mentioned about Michael Edwards and how he appointed him but he said that the two things that Liverpool did right after he left was one was appoint Jurgen Klopp and two was make Michael Edwards sporting director and build the club around those two and it's all come from there Sounds like he lifted the lid on that it did, Situation I did lift the lid, yes, explain. I did, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. curious anyway. case? Yes, <laughs> but that's the truth. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, I mean, it's funny you've mentioned that about match day revenue actually because I actually think it still does matter. Because, oh, look, sorry, I didn't mean it didn't matter. No, I'm saying, I'm saying it, it, hasn't, it hasn't for quite a while because of the numbers that Sky have got, mm-hmm. but it still it projects the message that if Liverpool are building a stadium that's got, instead of 45,000 that it did have three, four, probably four years ago, that in a couple of years it could be 61, nearly 62,000. Mm-hmm. You're going to get money from people coming in, all the, you know, the, the ancillary spending that they do, and then there's more hospitality. So it does build the brand as well. And when you then go into sponsors and say, look, we get... 60,000 every single home game and you know it, yeah. it, it, that's that's also why I get a bit annoyed when Arsenal lie about their attendance because <laughs> because it should be about people that attend not yeah. people who bought tickets mm-hmm. and things that's because they're season ticket holders though we have, they didn't attend though did they? If, they if they may have bought a ticket but they haven't turned up and why haven't they turned up because they're doing poorly and that's why but then when Arsenal then go to their sponsors and say look we get an average crowd of 60,000 it's a lie But that underlines my point about Liverpool saying that that's why match day revenue still is important. But you're right to say it's not as important as it was. Theo, when you're spending £220 million on players, whether that be transfers or contracts, uh, as Gorsi mentioned, in a year which turnovers £533 million, you know, everything else in the account's positive. It says that Liverpool right now, financially, you would think that they'd be able to afford anyone they wanted. Yeah, um, but it helps when you've got uh, Philippe Coutinho to sell for 140 million. But the fact that Liverpool selling him helped them bring in Alisson and Van Dijk to get to that next level 
it backs up all these figures that they're not a selling club in that sense anymore, mm. that they're now in that position where they could go and get whoever they want. That's why we're looking at these rumours um, the past few weeks about Timo Werner. But they're not going to go and spend, say, 100 million, 200 million on Kylian Mbappe or Jaden Sancho because why blow your budget on one player when what you've got already is doing a good job? Jurgen Klopp is all about building that squad and making the best options for that squad without having that A-lister who's going to rock mm-hmm. the boat, so to speak. So um, it's pretty much as it has been for the past 18 months since they got to that first Champions League final. It's just moving along very nicely. Of course, the, you can't compare Liverpool and Manchester United on the pitch at the moment, but off the pitch... It feels like the, the two clubs' destinies will always be a little bit intertwined mm. after United overtook Liverpool in the ninth season. It feels like Liverpool are now closing that gap again um, with turnover going up and uh, the two clubs are sort of hovering towards that £600 million mark. Do you, do you see a, a future in which Liverpool overtake Man United and become financially the, the biggest club in English football once again? Yeah, if, if, if the fortunes keep going in, in the directions they're going now, then you, you, you can't see how Liverpool wouldn't kind of overthrow United because I think United have been insulated by their status and you know their money I think they can perform as, as badly on the pitch as they like and they're only ever likely to finish 7th you know at, at the lowest just because of how they are uh, as a club and, and if they absolutely have to they can go and spend 60 million on, on a midfielder in January as they have done with Bruno Fernandes um, but yeah uh, if Liverpool keep going this way and United are going that way then you you can't see how Liverpool wouldn't eventually overthrow them, particularly with the the money that they're earning from the Champions League. Pretty much every season, United might struggle to get in there this season. Liverpool are looking to retain the title, so yeah, um, you can only see it going, you know, the way it is at the moment. It's interesting when you look at United now because it is pretty much how Liverpool were at the start of the decade. When you think you're looking at the, when they're bringing in the likes of Charlie Adams, Stuart Downing, mm. and spending a lot of money on like Andy Carroll, you think oh, why aren't they getting? better players than that why aren't they getting bigger names because it's Liverpool Football Club that's how United have approached but because they've had the last 20 years they can still go and get the slightly bigger names but I think the Bruno de Fernandes that's their Luis Suarez signing isn't it he's going to do a good job for them for a couple of years can maybe keep them in contention a bit and it's whether they then can step up and go forward again or whether the squad's in a bit of mess because they've still spent all this on Alex Sanchez's wages and all that because it does need an overall to sort of tidy again start again and move on up United can't be compared to Liverpool in that sense because Liverpool are a team or a club all pushed in the same direction, whereas United just seems as though somebody's going off this way, Edward Wood's trying to go that way, he's trying to drag Solskjaer with him and God knows where the Glazers are and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you look at Old Trafford, it's a bigger stadium than Anfield, but Old Trafford's looking a little bit tatty now. The United fans aren't happy about it and they don't want to invest in it. Mm-hmm. It just seems a little bit odd that, that you've got two sets of American owners, one that obviously... They're both in it to make a profit, obviously. One, though, is by winning FSG. The other one at the moment just seems to be by existing, mm-hmm. and that's United. Yeah, does it underline, I mean, Liverpool, as we all know, had their own takeover that was that loaded the club with debt. Um, it underlines two, like you say, two different strategies, but one that works so much better than the other that perhaps, perhaps FSG took more of a chance by not loading the club with debt, if that makes sense. But you've also got to bear in mind with United, as Gorsty said, they've got such a, a history in the past 20 years that you know, they've not been very good this season. There's every chance they can win the FA Cup and the Europa League again and then get into the Champions League regardless of where they finish in the league. So I think it's, I don't think you can compare Liverpool to United 10 years ago because Liverpool were on the brink of administration. They could have just gone. And I think sometimes people forget just how close that was 
So if you look at it from that point of view, that what's happened in the last 10 years has eventually been pretty remarkable. But again, it all comes down to, yeah, they've got everything right off the pitch, but it comes down to winning. And that's down to Klopp and the players he's brought in, which is obviously Michael Edwards as well. Okay, all right. Let's let's finish off with um, looking at our lineups and our predictions for tomorrow's game. Gorsi, any changes? Uh, we won't talk about the goalkeeper because there really is no point. No. I was not going to put Andy Lonergan in goal. <laughs> Last day of the season, you you, you're going gonna... to throw him in there. Well, why do you think you have the five games once the league's won? Get in the medal. <laughs> Adrian's already got his. So... Adrian has got his. Yeah. 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 Let's get Lonergan a medal. What about <laughs> Quiven Keller? Does he not? His time will come. Okay. Next year, he can have the last five games. Fair enough. All right, I can just see our producer over there is yeah. thinking, yeah, let's do a little story on that now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Alison, anyway. Um, back four. Gorsi, any, any changes there? No. There's, uh, Alexander Arnold had a great game, didn't he? Uh, Milner's still out, so he won't come in at left back, so back five as usual. Same. Yeah. Back five as any, usual. Any little tweaks? Matt's up instead of going. I thought he was going to do it. That's why I left until I think I think this is the start of the games where Klopp will fiddle a little bit around with his team. Honestly, I think you don't you don't you don't think he'll wait for the no FA because Cup to no have a fiddle? no no because I think he wants to go reasonably strong. I so mean, I because, no, in fact, no, you know, no, because this is you know this is what I want the team to be, isn't it? Yep. This is yeah. So I want I want to see Matic play. Okay, would right. Matic then start against Chelsea? Or would you have Gomez in? Don't know. Come to that one. We'll 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 <laughs> one game at a time, Theo. Come one on. Podcast at a time. Never mind. One game. Um, all right. Midfieldy. Uh, midfieldy. Ghosty. Midfieldy. Um, midfieldy. Yeah. Um, Oxley Chamberlain. Um, Fabinho. Why not them? Same. Um, Fabinho. I'm not sure whether the witch might get rested. You know. But then, it, then you're looking at who do you put in? Do you put Lalana in? Does Lalana because they've got such a big midfield? No, I'm going to go with Juan Eldam, and I'm going to go with um, Dead Space is not good for podcasts. No. Come back to me. Well, all right. Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to go with because just to be honest, just to be controversial. I, I'd put Fabinho, and I'm going to go with the midfield that we should never play together it's ever like again. And Cater because yeah. I kind of think with Cater. It would make a bit of a statement if he kept him in there. Yeah. Put Oxley Chamberlain alongside him. Like like we were talking about before, Watford have got to come out a little bit. I could see Liverpool just cutting them to shreds and on the counter attack, so it might work. Sorry? You, I think I'm you, you decide. I'm, what did I say? Fabinho and Aldum and yeah. I'm gonna go crazy, I'm gonna say Minamino. Minamino? Yeah. yeah. In midfield? Even, no, I've changed my mind. I'll say Chamberlain. <laughs> 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 well, you can you can have him in attack if you want. All right, Ghosty, you're your front three. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be born keeping it as it is. He's, he's just, he's like a, he's like Mike Bassett, isn't he? <laughs> same again Not every week, course, yeah. three, same three. again. You know, four, four, beep two. <laughs> uh, same again, Mohamed Salah loves scoring against Watford, he's going to do it again. Have a tweak, have a play, come on. Minamino. And the reason, I think that there's going to be some changes, but I've talked myself out of them all because of yeah. the fact that they're, they're quite, I like to go back and put Gomez back in instead of Matip now. <laughs> you can't go back, you can't go back. Because I, th- I think... You need the physical players in this game. You possibly don't need them against Chelsea. Yeah. It just so happens that the physical players are the ones that have been playing anyway. Yeah. So you're looking at Mane. He loves his physicality. You know, Salah may not be the most physical, but he can put up with an awful lot of stuff. If there's going to be a change up front, it's whether he might put Minamino in instead of Firmino or Origi. But mm-hmm. I'll be very surprised if that happens. Okay. Yeah. Very we'll see more of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See them on Tuesday, I think. I'm going to throw Div in there. Yeah. 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 
The reason, the reason I'm saying this is because I think they'll go stronger against Chelsea than I think people realise. And I'm just wondering yeah. what, how he'll change things around, unless he saves them for the Bournemouth game and makes the changes there. So I think he'll make a couple of tweaks today, a couple of tweaks against yeah. Chelsea, and, yeah. and then balance it out. Mm-hmm. So today, sorry, tomorrow. Yeah, OK, predictions, Gorsty? Another half or one, I think. 1-0. Um, 1-0. 2-0. 2-1, I'm going for. I think I said 3-1 West Ham, didn't I? So I was, wasn't, was, wasn't far off. So I think today, it's for tomorrow's game, today I shall say 2-2. 2-2. Two, two. Two, two. Dropping points. Second, done that second drop points of the season. There you go. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll Hopefully Doyle will be wrong and Liverpool will pick up three more. We'll see you again Monday to talk about the Watford game and look ahead to the greatest cup competition <laughs> in the history of football ever. No cup of competition is better than it. It's the FA Cup. Don't even worry about any other trophy. The Premier League, the Champions League, cancel them. The World Cup, cancel them. Because the FA <laughs> if Cup Liverpool gets the, the FA best. Cup final, I'll you're be not supporting to go. them. I'll okay. be cheering them on. And I'll, I'll be the biggest <laughs> FA Cup supporter in the history of football. And there you have it. Ta-ra. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.